Good Wednesday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller. Welcome to the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us, an audience of every social media platform known to mankind, a show presented today by the Clifton and Keswick. If you want to make a special memory for a loved one, a partner, family, friends, try dinner at the Clifton and Keswick. It's romantic. It's intimate. The, the service and the staff are A++. The Clifton and Keswick also considered the, uh, the hotel for weddings, events, and corporate retreats. Today's show is a busy one, and it's going to ask a lot of questions um, of you, the viewer and listener, and I'm curious of your perspective. I want to ask you this question. I'm going to ask Judah this question. Judah Wickhauer, our director. Make sure we got the volume on, 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 on your side, ready to rock and roll. Thank you, Judah. Um, do you, the viewer and listener, and Albert Graves, I'm going to get to your comment here on Twitter, but you, the resident of Central Virginia, the taxpayer in Almaro County, the homeowner in Charlottesville City, the tenant in Almaro County, the business owner, how do you feel today, now that you've had 24 hours to process the fact that there was a man who was wanted for past crimes, a man who went on the lam, ran away from police after he was identified by an officer for an outstanding warrant, a man who decided to then run into the woods to hide and to try to escape, a man who had a hostage negotiation outside of a hotel in a shopping and dining and entertainment and office district that undoubtedly had tens of thousands of people within half a mile, a man who had local schools closed down, public and private, daycare, preschool, a man who had Barracks Road Shopping Center on lockdown, the Region 10 building on lockdown, grocery stores on lockdown, multiple hotels on lockdown, a man who had police forces from multi-jurisdictions on location, this man and this standoff had zero association or zero ties to the recent spate of gun, gang, and drug violence that has plagued Charlottesville and Almoral. Do you feel a sense of relief as a taxpayer, as a re- resident and citizen that yesterday's, how would you characterize yesterday, disaster? I, I certainly don't characterize it as tomfoolery. Yesterday's criminal standoff yeah. was not tied to gun, drug, and gang violence. This had nothing to do with retribution. This had nothing to do with a botched drug deal. This had nothing to do with a turf war. This had nothing to do with a shooting every day reported to the police in the city every day this year. Do you feel relieved or do you feel left, um, do you feel a sense of um, a compounding problem disheartening you even more? I had this conversation with my wife this morning. She felt a sense of frustration throughout yesterday as many parents did. The frustration coming from 
your children being in a lockdown scenario at school, the frustration from the unknown and the sense of vulnerability that comes with being scared. She, like many of us, are asking what the hell's going on lately around this community and what do we do to stop it? I mean, 17 hours before the standoff, the police chief is giving a, a town hall at a church in 10th and Page trying to figure out a solution to the gun, gang, and drug violence. I'll weave you into the mix on this conversation, Judah. If we can go to a two-shot. Albert Graves on Twitter said, I'm even more concerned since this guy should have already been locked up and put away for a home invasion 2017. Albert Graves alludes to the um, criminal justice reform that's happening locally that may keep folks on the street longer to, to commit crimes as opposed to a strict punishment behind bars getting them off the streets. Yeah. I'm curious of your take. Do you feel relieved this morning that the standoff yesterday outside the Red Roof Inn a 44-year-old white male murdered by police, Albemarle County. Do you feel relieved it was not associated with the gun, gang, and drug violence that we've had of late? Yeah, I feel relieved that uh, it wasn't more, more gang and drug-related uh, uh, attacks, gun violence, uh, murders. Um <clears throat> I know it's not much of a comfort. It was, you know, yesterday was a mess. Um, our our city was, uh, at the very least, uh, massively inconvenienced. I know a lot of people had trouble getting around the city, but uh, I, you know, I would I would prefer, you know, something like something like this to, uh, you know, kids and gang members running around actively targeting people i you know i i feel like uh uh for all the for all the fear we may have felt yesterday um i think the the police um the police uh, uh was, they took control they cordoned off the area so that uh you know and and did their did their best to keep people safe and um I would much rather have a situation like that than one where you just don't know where somebody is out there with a gun in their in their you know the their belt and uh, and they're aiming they're gunning for someone. Jamie Turner, hello. What do you make of this? Juan Sarmiento, Bill McChesney, Warrior AG, hello. Do you feel a sense of relief that yesterday's standoff involved someone not in the illegal drug gang trade? That has a trade that has undoubtedly blossomed and birthed and boomed significant gun violence in Charlottesville in 2023. Was the standoff more of a negative attention grabber, attention headline than some of the other crime locally? This standoff was picked up by regional media. I think was in every Lee Enterprise newspaper today. Associated Press covered it. 
NBC 12 in Richmond had this on their nightly news yesterday. So it's gained traction in regional news cycles. It has not made national news. But that's understandable. Most of what, we're, most of what we hear about uh, from, you know, random gunshots going off to people, you know, people being shot and sometimes killed, that's uh, usually in the past. Something has happened. We're hearing about it. This was uh, unique in the fact that, uh, that I think a lot of people were probably sitting around homes and offices and hearing about it and wondering about it and it was ongoing and in the moment it's pretty terrifying you hear active you know active shooter situation and you know sadly in in this country what springs to mind is somebody attacking a school or a place of worship or uh you know uh a shopping you know a shopping mall or or Mecca, and that wasn't the case, and I'm thankful that it wasn't. What do you think, viewers and listeners? This is from Albert Graves on Twitter. He says, actually, JM, I feel worse today because this is a national story of an officer-involved shooting that has put a spotlight on Seville, whereas the other shootings stayed local, then he says, any and all gun crime is bad, however. That is fair. Okay, I, I, we, we're in agreement there. I appreciate his commentary. Um, evidently, there's a brewing situation that's happening at Millie Joe's Coffee right down the road on Market Street. Dylan's Rule is sending me a link on Twitter about this. Hmm. I will follow that closely. It looks like somebody inside Millie Joe Coffee Roaster, which is just down the road from us, was taken out of the coffee shop on a stretcher and in restraints. Wow. I'll follow that story closely. Juan Sarmiento, the king of transportation, says a small sense of relief, but also the justice system is broken if this man was even out and about. We've, had, we've seen a number of incidents of, of questionable... Um, questionable levels of accountability when it's come to violence locally. And it's a perfect segue into what Charlottesville City Public Schools is trying to do. Charlottesville City Public Schools yeah. tried, now we'll let you know why it's not going to materialize, but the city school system in Charlottesville literally tried to take convicts, men and women convicted of felonies, nonviolent felonies, and bring them into the Charlottesville public school system as teachers, support staff, administrators, bus drivers, whatever, whatever it may be. So this is a, a, a great conversation on criminal justice system locally. We saw with the UVA shooter, the man who killed three UVA football players, mm-hmm. he also had some clear red flags that were not immediately grabbed by authorities, the criminal justice system. You can maybe say prosecutors, attorneys, judges, administrators, UVA leadership. I mean, we got a guy from the Richmond area who had gun gun convictions, gun arrests. 
Gun arrests. Gun arrests. I can say that. Gun arrests. And, and he was not held perhaps as accountable by UVA or by the law as he should. Mm-hmm. The man yesterday, the 44-year-old, you can say perhaps was not held accountable by authorities or the system like he should because, look, he was not rehabilitated. Now, here's an interesting topic for Marquis Johnson, and he's a friend of the program. He's a friend of the program, Marquis Johnson. Are you in Charlottesville now or are you in Hampton, Mr. Johnson? He says this. It's a multi-part question. He says, I'm sickened big time. Really, what kind of question is this, Jerry? Since Charlottesville City Schools is the topic, why are city schools treating uh, kids like convicts? That one I'll put to aside for now. He's back in Charlottesville. Thank you. He has this comment for you and I. He says, with all due respect to you and Judah, this whole topic really makes me want to cry. He says, do you feel relief that this was a white man so we feel comfortable locally? He also says, if the color was the other way around, you all would be outraged and losing your mind right now. He says, you all seem really calm right now, my guys. Really, really calm. Would we be outraged? He's basically asking, if this was gun, gang, and drug violence, and, and Marquis Johnson is saying, if the man that held the police in a standoff negotiation setting, if he was African-American, would the community be responding differently? And he says, he just left a comment, you absolutely would be responding differently right now. He's basically saying, it's, a, it's an interesting conversation to have. He's saying this, Marquis Johnson. He's a friend of the program. How long have we known each other, Marquis? I think we've known each other for, what, 15, 16 years. He's saying if this was a, an alleged gang member that was African-American, would the community be outraged and rip-roaring pissed right now? As opposed to you, Judah Wickower, he's saying, having a sense of relief on a talk show that a lot of people watch. That's what you're saying, right, Marquise? And he says, since I was at NBC 29, I've known him for 15 years. He's a man that knows the community inside and out. I'm going to ask the viewers and listeners that question right now. We have a man that grew up in Charlottesville. Marquise grew up in Charlottesville. He's well-read. He's knowledgeable. He knows what's up. He's saying the fact that you are relieved right now is because it was a 44-year-old white man with no gang or drug ties. He's, he's essentially calling you out right here. I'm, okay, but so explain why I would be outraged if it, was, uh, if it was anything other than who it was. The reason, I'm, the reason I'm relieved is that this wasn't somebody that, was, you know, that had picked up a duffel bag full of guns and went out shooting up Charlottesville. Keep going. The, the, the person involved wasn't, wasn't out targeting people. We've seen, you know, whether we don't, we don't always know the details, but we've, we've got stories of people being murdered from, uh, from Skeeter to uh, the most recent, the most recent uh, murder. And I, you know, I, I don't want to hear more about that. I don't want more of those stories. 
I would rather something like this where it wasn't someone running around targeting people trying to kill them. It's tragic that the guy that the guy lost his life, but I'm sorry, better him than uh, than someone than a, innocent bystander. Yeah. Than a parent, a kid, absolutely. A teacher. Absolutely. Kevin Higgins in Greenwood, Virginia says, pray for the men and women that had to take this guy out yesterday. Regardless of the situation, this will stay with them forever. He says, Albemarle County Police Department tactical, knew that was somebody's son, uncle, father, whatever it may be. What a decision to have to make to take someone's life, albeit it was the right decision. It was the right decision. Yeah. It was the right decision. You have socialist Charlottesville clinging to the narrative that the, the gunman, the active shooter, did not point the gun at police, instead pointed the gun at himself. One of the Daily Progress reporters has included this um, piece of coverage in, in her story in the newspaper that came out today, um, citing a witness. A witness said that the active shooter did not pull the gun on himself, or excuse me, on the police, but instead pulled the gun on himself. One of the witnesses said, look, the reality is, is that in, a, in an active shooter scenario, we can Monday morning quarterback anything, but very few of us have been in this scenario. And I would imagine any time that there's an active shooter scenario, if the active shooter is moving this gun in any capacity that would show ill intent, probably the right plan of attack would be for the police to protect themselves and anyone nearby. And it's important to also emphasize that stray bullets find people as well. Yeah. Marquise Johnson says, I've been here since 1985, born and raised. He says, because the local shootings have had you guys pointing at our community heart, speaking to us. He says, I don't want them either. I grew up with Skeeter Smith. But y'all reaction with Skeeter Smith in that scenario was way different than it is right now. Marquise Johnson says, if he was black, I'd be glad they did what they did. He put many and many kids in danger. He's really saying the reality is you raise a gun at police or yourself, you get what you get. Sorry. I, I, I agree with that last comment. He's saying how we're handling and managing this is different. But they're different situations. I'm not really sure I, I understand why there's a disconnect there. Now, this is not the same situation as uh, as... You know, somebody, somebody murdering uh, someone else here in Charlottesville, and us hearing about it later. This was, you know, ongoing yesterday, and I don't, I don't see how it has really much of of a connection at all with uh, with the other incidents we've been hearing. This about. situation, like other gun violence that we've had, it's had closure. Skeeter Smith's murder has not been... Oh, no, he was apprehended. Skeeter Smith's murder was apprehended. Yeah. Okay, he was apprehended. The 20-year-old Gordonsville man that was murdered last week on Page and Hardy Drive, his killer has not been apprehended. Right. The, The unique element to this gun violence story is the man wielding the gun was murdered on sight. So there's a level of closure with this active shooter scenario that other scenarios did not have. While Skeeter Smith's murderer was alleged murderer, was apprehended, it took time 
to apprehend Skeeter Smith's alleged murderer. And during that time, the community responded with outcry and outrage and the gambit of emotions that come with someone born and raised in the community getting killed in an assassination-style hit. What happened yesterday offered immediate closure for our community. And the community knew there was an active shooter. The community was scared. Traffic was congested. Schools were on lockdown. Buildings were shut and on lockdown. Retail was on shut and lockdown. Hotels on shut and lockdown. And we were all on edge. But... We got closure yesterday because this man was killed. And while we're empathetic to the man and his or her family, because we're God-fearing people, I truly believe what Marquise Johnson is saying, that if you raise your gun at police or you, at yourself, you get what's coming to you. This guy had a choice. He had a choice. He had a choice. He could have put down his gun. Gone, I, I don't even want to pretend like I could be in his shoes out here. But he had a choice. The last resort was killing him. Yeah. So I, I will say this. There's differences with this turn of events or set of circumstances. They're very different than previous ones. And, 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 and it's not just the gun, gang, and drug violence. It's the sense of closure we got yesterday. Let's go to Sarah Hill Buczynski watching the program. She said she's relieved that this was an isolated individual incident, not a broader problem like gang violence. Agreed. I think a lot of people are fear, feeling that way, Sarah Hill Buczynski. Sarah Hill, I, I very much, Sarah, I very much love when you uh, comment on the show. I think a lot of people are feeling that way. Viewers and listeners, do you feel relieved that this was an isolated individual incident and not a broad, broader problem like gang violence? Let's go to um, Katie Pearl, KTP, the Queen of Whitehall, watching the program. KTP says, I think it can be summarized that the previous situations felt like it was part of a larger problem versus this just seems like one solo guy who is not a part of a larger problem. And yesterday's situation was resolved. There you go. Yeah. I think that's very well put, KTP. Mm-hmm. We got closure. Yeah. And, and as, it sucks that the closure is the man's dead. Right. But we got closure. Yeah. What were you going to say? I, I was just, uh, I, you know, I was agreeing with, the, with their sentiment, with, uh, with the sentiment that uh, this wasn't part of a broader problem. We've, we've seen a lot. We've talked a lot about, uh, about you know, Wherever, wherever these, uh, these shooters are coming from, whether it's drugs, gangs, whatever. And um, this, this wasn't part of that. And, uh, yeah, we have some closure. It was isolated. Marquis, who's been in the community since 1985, born and raised, he says, I just don't like the reaction, the day after reaction. It doesn't have to be the same as the other reactions, but this one just feels different. It is. And I, I think it is different. I agree. I appreciate his comments. I appreciate his perspective. I think this is a very different feeling I have today than the feeling that I had in the middle of last week when we had two people murdered and within a 48-hour period of each other. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I will immediately emphasize this. 
the first thing, the first thing that I think many of us in the community assumed when we heard the early rumblings of an active shooter in a police hostage situation. Not to mention however many police cops zooming down Market Street. We saw Street. dozens of police cars going down Market Street in front of our studio. Literally dozens of police cars in like a two-minute period. Our studio is located half a block down from the police station in the parking garage. Dozens of cars. I would bet that most people in this community yesterday, when they started first hearing the rumblings of this active shooter scenario, anticipated that this was gang, drug, and gun violence, like we've seen over the last few months. When I started hearing, when I started hearing, uh, you know, rumblings of, well, when I started hearing people talk about uh, schools being locked down, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was even worse than, uh, than gun, you know, gang and drug violence. I don't even want to, I don't even want to say what I thought it was because I, you know, it's just, it's not even worth, it's not even worth uh, imagining. Um, Matt Daring. Matt Daring, um, I respect this man's um, opinion. He's the king of cycling. Any kind of bicycle riding, Matt Daring is uh, a proponent of. He lives in the city. He's got two kids. Um, We don't see eye to eye on a lot of topics, but I respect the man's opinion. He says, what is the broader problem in the Skeeter Smith and Nicholas Pendleton situations? What is the broader problem? Do you want to touch that one, Judah? What do I think the broader problem is? I have some ideas. Um, Nicholas Pendleton was the 20-year-old Gordonsville man murdered on Hardy Drive, Page Street, in the pickup truck. Lisa Custolo will get to your comment. Todd Rath, I'll get to your comment here as well. I think the... Do you, do you want me to... I can... Uh, I mean, to my mind, the broader problem is that something is, something is being imported into Charlottesville. Imported? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there are. I there are no. I don't think there are any. Uh, imported? Do you mean drugs? I mean, what, 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 what do you mean by imported? Whether it's drugs or gangs, it's not. I don't think it's originating here. That's that's to my mind uh, the worst part of it. It's not just. I don't think it's just springing up. Uh, from nothing, I think you know whether it's I, I don't I I honestly don't know, but uh, but whatever it is, it's clearly taking hold, and um, and I don't I don't think it's starting here. That's what worries me. Dylan's rule says this. I think the appropriate question is this. He says this on Twitter. Dylan's rule. A, um, a play on words or a reference to the fact that jurisdictions in the Commonwealth have very little autonomy thanks to the Dillon rule. Yeah. Um, Dillon's rule, the handle on Twitter says, I think the appropriate question is this. If the individual shot yesterday was black but had the same background, no gang affiliation, no drug affiliation, would you and Judah be as calm? I think you would. He says, this has nothing to do with race. It has to do with organized drug and gang activity. Yeah. Skeeter, or Matt Daring says to Judah, Skeeter and his alleged killer were both local. 
They are not imports, Judah. I know they're not imports, but uh, what, what they were involved in may have been. I think to answer Matt's question, the broader problem with Skeeter Smith and Nick, Nicholas Pendleton's murders, the broader or the macro problem, if you can utilize macro for a region like Charlottesville, Central Virginia, the broader problem is the gang and drug violence. Yeah. The broader problem is the fact that we don't have a grasp on the gang and drug violence, that a third of the police department is still understaffed, that Michael Kochis is straight up telling people we don't have the people to police this kind of crime, so much so that he's having to chop the city into three policing districts, 10th and Page, Fifeville, and the UVA corner, and he's going to utilize heat zones and data in policing districts to try to get ahead of this. Multiple folks at the town hall meeting that I personally attended and personally spoke at on Monday evening at the church next to Dairy Market are extremely fearful that this type of policing district, these type of policing districts will recreate systematic policing to prison pipelines that the community has seen in decades past. And I understand that fear. I, I saw it in the, 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 the lips and the tongues and the faces of moms, of grandmas that were explaining what happened to their children when this was the case decades ago. Mm -hmm. But whether we want to admit this or not, and I think it's important that we're honest with ourselves, the Nakia Walker Council and the Rashal, Dr. Rashal Brackney tenure Nakia Walker's tenure and Chief Brackney's tenure left the police department decimated. The Charlottesville Police Department has been decimated. And that decimation happened in large part because of a disconnect with the previous police chief and because of poor leadership from the previous mayor. And now they're struggling to hire. They're doing job fairs and cannot get these positions filled. Of the people that are coming to these fairs, five or six are making the first cut, and there's many more cuts. I, I thought it was more like 10 out of uh, 20 that came. And it's a significant, a significant training program. These folks that are going to the job fair will not be on the street policing for months, right? months, if they even make it that far. Jojo Robinson watching the program. Marquise has given you some props on what you said last too, Judah. Thank you. Jojo Robertson said, I think that the individual that died yesterday chose to die by holding a gun up to the police and shooting. Yeah. Skeeter Smith didn't choose to die. Joshua did not choose to die. Yeah. Nick didn't choose to die. It's a huge difference. And as a result, the community is responding differently. It is a difference. That's a damn good comment. I think we yeah. should read JoJo. I'm going to respond to this. JoJo, super legit comment. I read this live on air. JoJo Robinson needs a nickname. JoJo, what are some of your passions and hobbies and interests? Or where roughly locally do you live? 
It's time you get a nickname like the queen of this area. Can you let us know locally where you live? You don't have to give us your address or anything, but you've earned a nickname on the show. And what was Lisa Custolo's nickname? Lisa, did we ever give you a nickname? Because you definitely need one. If, we got to start keeping track of these. You I'm keeping write track them down. of them mentally. Um, this is JoJo's comment. I think that the individual, the individual that died yesterday chose to die by holding a gun up to the police and shooting. Skeeter Smith did not choose to die. Joshua did not choose to die. Nicholas Pendleton did not choose to die. There's a huge difference here. That's perfectly said. Yeah. You got that difference in the closure that comes with... The situation being over. The situation being over. Thank you. Perfectly said. The situation is over. Oh, Lisa Custlow is the queen of Cherry Avenue. Fantastic, go. Lisa. Fantastic. Lisa, I will, I will not forget that. And Judo's going to help me remember, remember here. No, I'm not. Lisa, hey, Lisa's <laughs> one of your biggest fans. You want me to start a... We should start a nickname, a nickname list. Yeah. Lisa Custolo, the queen of Cherry Avenue. So every time one's mentioned, we include them on the list. Yes, the queen of Cherry Avenue. Thank you, Lisa. Bill McChesney is the mayor of McIntyre, Juan Sarmiento. You're going to have to slow down. The king of transportation, <laughs> Matt, Di- Matt Daring, the king of cycling. Um, Matt Daring says this. Billy Seitz had a felony drug charge. We don't know exactly what he was on the run for yesterday. However, he has drug problems in his past. However, he doesn't get labeled as a drug vi- he doesn't get labeled as a drug violence issue. Is that because it wasn't an active drug deal gone wrong, to the best of our knowledge? I think uh, I think the assumption in a lot of the the shootings that we've been hearing about recently is that they are involved in some way with the gang or drug violence. And this guy, while he may have been, well, he may have gotten in trouble for drug-related activity. He had a pretty significant, um, he had a pretty significant arrest record. Yeah. But was he, you know, was he running around, was he running around selling drugs and, uh, and shooting people in their cars? He got in trouble for a lot of stuff, but it seems like this, you know, what, what happened yesterday wasn't him going on a rampage trying to take out as many people as he could it may as as someone pointed out it may have just been he may have just not wanted to go to jail this may have been uh, suicide by by cop uh albert graves on my twitter account i just retweeted it shares an article about the man who was killed yesterday by police from the nelson county times and in this article the man has a history of criminal behavior so if you'd like to see that article, head to my Twitter account, Jerry Miller Now, at Jerry Miller Now, and you will see uh, the article. And, and Matt, you're right. He was a convicted drug felon. He pled guilty to that. Matt, Matt, Matt's king of cycling is right. Uh, he, had a, he was arrested in April 2019 um, on a home robbery. I mean, he, this guy has got a... A laundry list of criminal offenses. 
a laundry list of criminal offenses. Violence, drugs, armed robbery, you name, I don't want to say you name it, he's got it, but grand larceny, abduction, extortion, destruction of property, malicious wounding, armed robbery, damaging a phone line to prevent the, count, the contacting of authorities, I mean, malicious wounding. I mean, you got not a good guy here. Right. It's a perfect segue into what Charlottesville City Schools tried to do. Now, this was kibosh. This is an article in Charlottesville tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Charlottesville City Schools wanted the Virginia General Assembly to allow it to employ people <laughs> who have been convicted of nonviolent crimes. First, this was the headline, a story released yesterday on Charlottesville Tomorrow. The headline, city schools wanted to address staffing issues by hiring nonviolent returning citizens. State lawmakers said no. The use of nonviolent returning citizens, I don't think, is a great headline. It's a politically correct headline. Returning citizens, are they returning back into the country? Yeah, it's. Uh, are they returning to Charlottesville after moving outside of Central Virginia? Are they returning to city life after living in Fluvanna, Orange, Louisa, Green, or one of the outer county suburbs? Are they returning to schools? Returning citizens is politically correct, but ambiguous and vague, and it leaves you scratching your head. What are you talking about? Yeah. Instead, the headline city schools sh should be, I think. City schools wanted to address staffing issues by hiring non-violent convicts. Form, former convicts. Con, non-violent former convicts. State lawmakers said no. The current law bans anyone with what the state classifies as a barrier crime from working at a school. There are more than 150 barrier crimes, many of which involve abuse or neglect of some kind. These crimes can either be felonies or misdemeanors. Charlottesville City Schools proposed legislation that would change that law to allow people with specific nonviolent felony crimes to be hired for open positions in the school system. This is the point we're at. And I understand the concept of rehabilitation. I understand the concept of rehabilitation. And I empathize and I want to be open-minded to rehabilitation. And the reform that can happen in a penitentiary or a jail over a long period of time. But parents, local parents, how would you respond if the Charlottesville public school system had the political capital of the General Assembly to push policy through that would allow the hiring of felons into your school system regardless of the level of violence associated with the felony they were convicted of. I, as a parent, would... My red flag would wave. I would demand to know more. I'd ask significantly more questions. And while I'm physically conservative when it comes to finances and taxes, I'm socially liberal on a lot of things. But having convicted felons in a school system, 
I see a number of red flags and causes for concern there. I would imagine that would be something you would want to run by your parent base before lobbying the General Assembly to make this a reality. Why is the first we're hearing of this in an article in Charlottesville tomorrow, and why is the first we're not hearing of this from the superintendent asking the community, how do you feel about it? Because I wouldn't have been cool with it. Would you, moms and dads watching the program, if the Charlottesville public school system hired convicted felons as a strategy to help fill vacancies that have remained vacant for extended periods of time? How would you feel, Bill, Matt, Lisa, Juan? How would you feel, Vanessa Parkhill, the queen of Earliesville, Jojo Robertson, Marquise Johnson? How would you feel, Warrior AG, Jeff, Anonymous, Katie Pearl, Sarah Buczynski? How do you feel, Judah Wickhauer, about this? I'm divided. Um... I mean, first of all, I'm not a parent, so I'm, I'm not sure I should be... Uh... First thing my wife, when I showed her this article this morning, goes, literally the first thing she goes, oh, hell no. Literally the first thing she said. But on the other hand, uh, and, and I'm, I'm also, um, I've got to say, a little disappointed with the article. It doesn't go into, I think, enough of the details. Uh, Bill McChesney says this, they won't hire school resource officers, yet they'll hire convicted felons. That's, I think, a fair... That's an interesting take right there. A fair criticism of... uh, uh, Do we know who's at the, the forefront of this initiative? The article left a lot to be desired. Yeah. I don't know that... uh, I don't know that I feel comfortable accusing anyone in particular of, as, uh, as he said, uh, not wanting SROs, but uh, being willing to, to hire criminals. This, is, this is started at the Charlottesville school board level. Started okay. at the school board level. Dom Morris, a Charlottesville school board member, said... I think as a school board, some of us started to talk a little bit and saw that there are some advantages to opening our employment opportunities to everyone. I got the impression, though, that it was that it was wider than than just Charlottesville, because uh, they do mention um, Sally Hudson. Well, Sally Hudson's the delegate that represents Charlottesville. Okay, she's the, our representation in the General Assembly. Yeah. So why she's mentioned in here is because no, she's the delegate that represents us. Okay. So That's she fair. would be the one that would have to push this through. The fact, the, the reality is, and I mean, this, this is the reason why his handle is, is Dylan's rule. The jurisdiction has such little autonomy on a lot of things. It needs to be empowered by Richmond to make stuff happen. I'm sure some people would argue that that's a good thing in a case like this. Um. Well, is it always a good thing? Here's a good example. Sales tax referendum. They try to push a, ge- a sales tax referendum through the General Assembly, which would allow a jurisdiction like Charlottesville to up its sales tax by one cent, with the sole focus of that one cent being utilized 
to fund school reconfiguration or, or remodeling or construction, like the middle school project. And it didn't make it through. It did not make it through Richmond. So it mm -hmm. never got to the chance to get to Charlottesville. And a referendum is a vote. So just because Richmond, if Richmond had a set, if, if Richmond had given the jurisdiction the, the leeway or the political leeway to have this sales tax increase, it would still would have had to been approved by citizens. Mm -hmm. Now in a system, in a school, in a, in, a, in a city like this that prides itself on education, you would imagine its citizenship would vote yes to a referendum that would raise the sales tax assent to fund schools. I mean, there's a lot of... Funding schools is a bipartisan issue. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just, it is... We're at the point, we're at the point now that these jobs are becoming so difficult to hire that school systems have to lobby state government to see if they can hire convicted felons to fill these openings. Yeah, I feel like there's also a bit of a, a disconnect here in terms of uh, uh, we you talked at uh, you talked about the uh, um, about police chief cautious speaking yesterday or uh, a couple days ago and um, talked about people uh, raising their uh, raising fears um, of a return to uh, what was it, the uh, um, the the, the police funnel? what are they what did you call it the, the police to prison pipeline yeah p police to prison pipeline those are paraphrased and, by yours truly and I think that uh, I think that shines a light on the other side of uh, of convicts they're not all you know as this article uh talks a little bit about they're not all violent they're not all you know they're not all in uh in prison for you know some of them well this is what matt daring just said i think it's important to know what are the barrier crimes if yeah. someone gets a felony for a dime bag of weed at 18 that's right. one thing Violent exactly. crime is another. A DUI is a felon, and that is not good for a bus driver, right. but not a problem for a custodian potentially. Right, exactly. I think there are, you know, to, uh, to just place a, uh, a, a ban across the, you know, across, without looking at details, um, I think we do a lot of these people a disservice. And, and I think... I think for a lot of these people, what's best is, is to get back into, get back into society. Life. Yeah. Get back into society. And, uh, and we, you know, right now we're talking about schools, but if it's not schools, where is it? If everybody feels about these people the same way and nobody wants to give them jobs, what do we expect them to do? If somebody, I, I somebody, get that. There was a, there was a good, there was a, a really good point, or at least a, a good question asked in the <laughs> article, which is, if you don't want to, if you don't want them in society, why not just, why not just put them back in prison and throw away the key? Rehabilitation and reassimilation. 
Rehabilitation and reassimilation. All for that. But rehabilitation and reassimilation in close proximity to elementary school, middle school, and high school students are two very different things. Yeah, but... Rehabilitation and reassimilation for elementary school students that are impressionable versus going into the workforce are two different things. Being a teacher of elementary school students when you're a convicted felon and working in the workforce as in, in a restaurant or in a construction job or in a trade position, remodeling, plumber, electrician, or working your way up the, the banking ladder when you're starting potentially as a... That's, that's a, fair, but I really don't think most of these people... Mo, I, don't, I really don't think most of this is about hiring convicts as teachers. There are uh, that's, I, I think that's an assumption. It that's is an, an absolute assumption. assumption. You're basically, assumption, what you're doing there is you're basically profiling convicts by saying the convict can only serve as the custodian or the janitor or the bus driver. That's basically what you're saying there. No, I'm not. Then why do you think that the convict could not be considered for the teacher job? I never said that. Well, you just said most of these hirings wouldn't be for teacher positions. No, I was making an assumption about the people that want to want to permit this and saying that I don't think most of them see this as, as turning into, uh, you know, a school with half the teachers being made up of convicts. No, I don't think anyone thinks that, but they do think that the teacher, the open teacher vacancies could potentially be filled by qualified convicts. Is that such a bad thing? Well, I'm, if you were a parent of a kid in that classroom, you probably would think so. You're, not, if, not if you were made. Not if you were made uh, aware of what they had been in prison for. Like if somebody, like, like has been pointed out before. If somebody, uh, we have outrage and outcry simply from a headline on a murder that has got this community completely up at arms, deservingly and, and justifiably so. So, can you imagine the outcry and outrage that's going to come with Charlottesville City Public Schools now has six convicted felons teaching geometry? Art, home ec, sexual education, English, well, and algebra two trig. Well, maybe, there would be freaking chaos if well, that happened. Maybe don't start with. <laughs> maybe Marquise Johnson said exactly what I said here. Then you jump in the mix, okay? Marquise Johnson said exactly how I feel. You have to run it by the parents. It's so disrespectful on all levels. I'm okay with them asking for permission or or advisement. But CCS, Charlottesville City Schools, should have notified the parents or guardians of their intentions that they wanted to do this. I 1,000% agree with Mr. Johnson there. Yeah, I agree too. The fact that this, the fact that the first that we're hearing about this as a community from an article from a nonprofit news organization, Charlottesville Tomorrow, that does a great job. Mm -hmm. The fact that the first time we're hearing that public schools try to lobby the Sally Hudsons of the world to allow the hiring of convicts into schools. That is a PR and communication fiasco and, 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 and nightmare. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and, if, and if it sounded like I, I was uh, arguing otherwise, I apologize. I, I, certainly, you know, I certainly agree that the school made a, a big misstep in thinking they could fly this under the radar. And uh, considering the fact that you're dealing with 
with uh, people's children. That's that was just a a gra- uh, an error in judgment, a grave error in judgment, uh, and a grave error in basic public uh, relations communication. Yeah. The king of Redfields is watching the program, Bob Yarborough. He lets us know that the Regal Movie Theater in Stonefield is going to stay alive. Great. The Regal in Stonefield is staying alive. It sounds like it was a lease renegotiation tactic. Where hmm. Regal, the arguably the second most important tenant in Stonefield, Trader Joe's being number one, says we're going to shut down the theater has the owner of the shopping center, a private equity firm outside of New York, the owner of the shopping center, gets rattled because its second largest tenant in its shopping center says it's closing its theater, a unique structure that's literally geared only to movie theaters, and movie theaters aren't having a lot of positive momentum these days. So Regal says we're closing, they get better lease terms, then they stay, a negotiation ploy. Bob Yarborough, the king of Redfield, says maybe, just maybe, Jerry and Judah, the impression might be that lives can be redeemed when the students see a teacher who turned their life around. I like that. I like that, too. I like that as well. But what happens when... What happens when one of the convicted felons who's given a chance to teach at Charlottesville City Schools drive a bus in Charlottesville City Schools, janitor of Charlottesville City Schools, support staff at Charlottesville City Schools, what happens if the proverbial you-know-what hits the fan with that man or woman? What's the first thing naysayers are going to say? Detractors are going to say. Yeah, I mean... The first thing they'll say would be that. Immediate first thing. We told you so. The, we told you so. The problem is that I, I feel like that's... Um... What, human nature? No, not human nature. That is human nature. First of all, we're not talking, we're not talking about violent criminals. We're talking about people in, that went to prison for whatever. You know, It, it may have been... Uh, who knows? What if it was tax dodging? The problem is that uh, I think we're starting out with the thought that they're guilty. Well, they, they're convicted. I know. They are guilty. I know. You're not using the word allegedly here. I'm not talking about okay. guilty of something that, oh, that done in the past. Maybe a better word was we're already starting off with the fact that their criminal tendencies were not rehabilitated. Uh, that sounds a little wordy and like uh, well, you have to unpack it. You saying guilty, I had to unpack what it because they are guilty. No, what I'm getting at is our courts operate under the, under the, uh, the idea that you're innocent until proven guilty. And once these people get out of jail, they are no longer guilty, so to speak. They're still guilty, but they're rehabilitated. They've done their time. They're rehabilitated. If, That's the phrase. Okay. They're still guilty. All right. They're still guilty of a crime. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a great topic for a talk show. Lisa Costello, the queen of Cherry Avenue, if a felony occurred 30 years ago with no repeat offense, how long should this continue to be held against a person, especially for nonviolent offenses? Should a bad check continue to be held against a person after 30 years that has been resolved, restitution paid, et cetera? It's a great point. It's I a agree. great point. It's a 100% great point. Bill McChesney, mayor of McIntyre. Why don't every time I say one, you throw one in there? 
Bill McChesney, mayor of McIntyre, says Charlottesville City Schools is overreaching already, destroying the grade level system that took a lot of work to put in place. The superintendent's office wanting to turn a large portion of Walker into their offices instead of expanding their current facility. It's another tax and spend ploy by the city. It's the mayor of McIntyre. Juan Sarmiento, how about a convict who used to be a teacher or professor? I mean, there's a great scenario right there. Scott Aaronworth, King of Virginia Beach, he's a criminal defense attorney. He says, the reality is that the legal system is jacked up, and that comes from someone who's been in that system for 25 years as a lawyer who's in court on a daily basis. 100%, Scott. 100% Esquire uh, Aaronworth, the King of Virginia Beach. Tammy Tatum watching the program. I believe this is the... Tammy, is this the second time you've commented on the show? I, I'm enjoying your comments, Tammy Tatum. You're very soon um, going to earn a uh, nickname. Tammy Tatum says, but are we doing what's best to re- reintroduce nonviolent felons into society by placing them into our school systems? She also asked the question, but does a felony conviction, even if nonviolent and released, speak to their character and decision-making skills? My wife feels that way. My wife feels that way. And I'm not going to discount that opinion. Someone saying a felony conviction speaks to someone's judgment and character and decision-making ability, even if they're rehabilitated. Do we want someone that has a questionable judgment teaching children? That, that may be fair in some cases, but I don't think it's fair in all of them. I, I don't think it's fair in all of them, but it's certainly fair in some cases. And it's, it, the, 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 the greater topic, talking point here would be this. We are so short-staffed by millennials and Gen Zers and the younger generations being so disenchanted with teaching and the profession in general that millennials and younger aren't going into this line of work as frequently as generations past have done that there is a shortage of teachers in the pipeline. And we're at such, in such a grave situation when it comes to filling spots at public schools, bus driver, janitor, teachers, support staff, substitutes, admins, you name it, that they're having to open up the hiring pool to applicants that perhaps would never, ever be considered. It's, it's, that's the more damning element to this story that we should consider. I don't think it's just schools, though. Private schools aren't like that. Just saying. Private schools aren't like that right now. Lonnie Murray, the king of the environment, watching the program. But they have to be. Short-staffed? No, but you're talking about... uh, I'm talking specifically staffing. Yes, but you weren't just talking about staffing. You were talking about people going into into that... uh, Specifically staffing. They're gaining teachers from the public schools that are leaving public to go to private. That's fair, but I thought you'd, I thought you'd said that uh, we had less and less people in the younger generations who are even going into the teaching field. My point was this. There's a short staff, there's a staffing issue in the public school systems. Yeah. And that staffing issue is not prevalent in the private school systems. Yet. 
Just making a point. That's the current state right now. Mm -hmm. King of the environment, Lonnie Murray. Home rule would allow some localities to do some crazy stuff, but I'm okay with that. If people don't like the decisions being made, they can always choose to vote those folks out. He's talking yeah. about the, uh, the Dillon rule. Mm-hmm. Um, he also says, after all, the General Assembly passes some crazy laws too, but it's way harder to vote those folks out or make them hold them accountable. I'm responding to Lonnie right now. Lonnie Murray, we appreciate you, sir. Send him that comment. Heather Bangley watching the program. My daughter's class is closed for the rest of the year because no one will take the position. $12 an hour. Where is that? Is that a, is that a daycare, Heather? I would imagine that's a daycare or preschool of some capacity. Yeah. There's Marquise Johnson walking by right there. He says, this is the Head Start program in Gordonsville. I can't say I would take the position either. How do you survive? The Head Start program in Gordonsville, her daughter is there. There he is, right there. Love you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for watching. Marquis just watched Walk by the City. You saw him right there. He likes that he's part of the Judah fan club, he says. <laughs> the Head Start program in Gordonsville. Can't fill a position, 12 bucks an hour, so her daughter's class is closed for the rest of the year. Man. Oh, man. Warrior AG on Twitter. How can we expect a person to be a pillar of our community when they are not accepted and allowed to make a living? The schools want it okay, but it's not okay not to tell the parents. If their child wants a sex change yeah. or to identify as another gender, they even had a walkout about this, but you think they will communicate what crimes a person is committing? And he also says, Jerry, convicts are humans too. If we as a society can have trust in our prison systems to rehabilitate other humans that have had problems, then this is something as a society we need to address it. Yeah. It's not like Judah said, lock them up forever and throw away the key. Yeah. And I, and I, hope, I hope nobody thought that I actually meant that. I just think that uh, it's terrible that, we can, that, we, that they've done their time and they come back to us and... Uh, and there's nowhere, there's nowhere for them. T Tammy Tatum, people are not going into teaching because they do not want to live at the poverty level. I don't think Charlottesville teachers can afford to live in Charlottesville. They cannot. No. Charlottesville teachers cannot afford to live in the city. Neither can firefighters, police officers, nurses, EMT, and many of our frontline heroes. It's unfortunate. Yeah. And it's going to worsen. We have a 145 meeting here. Um, I totally got it, Tammy. Good comment. Heather uh, says she agrees with us. We got a 145, so we need to wrap up. Michael Payne and Lloyd Snook have both indicated they're going to run for city council. How would you grade their first four years, their first term on council? Lloyd Snook and Michael Payne's. Hmm. I don't know that I feel comfortable answering answering that. I don't know specific. I don't know enough specifics about uh, about what they've what they've brought to the council, what they've voted for on the council. I mean, you follow the news as closely as any of us. Yeah, 
Uh, Anonymous, Regal, precisely what I said a month ago, Chapter 11 is for breaking contracts, not necessarily stopping businesses. He basically said what we've been talking about. They threatened closing the movie theater to get better lease terms from the private equity firm that owns the shopping center. Yeah. Good to hear from you today, Deep Throat. We love when you watch the program, sir. Um, I would say Lloyd Snook and Michael Payne's their report card for the first term on council is, is very much undecided or undetermined yet. What Michael Payne and Lloyd Snook and Cena McGill before she quit council, what they did do that was positive was bring a sense of civility to council, a sense of respectability, a sense of going about government through a golden rule mindset as opposed to the previous regime and the previous regime was led by a mayor who wrote, wrote poetry on social media comparing the city to male ejaculation and rape. Legitimately, that's what she did. Mm-hmm. She wrote a poem on social media, was surprised when it got attention, and the poem compared Charlottesville City to male ejaculation and rape. She had the credit card fiasco. She had... I, I, It was a brutal time for local government. And we're still navigating the collateral damage of Brackney and Walker's regime. We're still navigating that collateral damage. Payne and Snook and McGill took us from one of the most volatile periods in Charlottesville government's history to a period of civility and sensibility. And relative calm. And calm and, and frankly, boringness which a good government is boring. Counselors and supervisors and elected officials should govern in the background when it's about the policy they're pushing forward or the laws and the people they're trying to manage as opposed to making it about themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what previous regimes have done. We still have Brackney tweeting about Charlottesville. Yeah. Still. I I don't know if you heard about this, but I think... think Mike Signer may have uh, Daily Progress Civic elected himself, or uh, not elected, but uh, the reality is all these media outlets that are doing these best of awards, it's either payola or it's skewed by someone getting a lot of people to vote for them. That's the reality. It's an advertising play to get revenue from clients by bestowing them with an award and then asking them if they want to spend a couple thousand bucks to market and promote said award. It's payola. I think Snook and Payne's report card is still to be determined because look at some key things that need to be accomplished. We still don't have a city manager. I met Michael Rogers on Monday night. We still don't have a city attorney. We have so many vacancies on the police force, frankly, a boatload of vacancies across all of local government. We're still not sure how we're going to fund Buford reconfiguration. Mm-hmm. You've got a gun, drug, and gang violence problem that's significant, and it wasn't prevalent or relevant in the beginning of their terms. What has been done in Charlottesville City from an affordability standpoint? Nothing. And that's it's worsened. 
And that's why I was uncomfortable in answering that question. It's, it's, it, the affordability is worsened. And Michael Payne used to work for Habitat for Humanity. I see why they would want to run for re-election. Very little's been accomplished that they campaigned for in their first term. One of the most critical aspects about Lloyd Snook's campaign was the hiring of a permanent city manager. That hasn't happened. They did get a police chief hired, at least. And we hope to God, Cotchis is the guy. Yeah. To be determined. We were having a conversation this morning before the show started. Cotchis comes from Warrington. Does he truly realize the magnitude that is, is, is before him from a police chief standpoint? Especially with the background of Warrington chief. We're not talking about a major metro here, Warrington. Charlottesville is a very nuanced city. you got the Old South mingling with new money, with white-collar tech, with the ideology that comes with a higher education like UVA. You've got a lot of socioeconomic demographics all living in one tiny area. Yep. Of course there's going to be ideological conflicts. More on that tomorrow. This is the I Love Seagull Show. Judah Wickhauer and Jerry Miller on a Wednesday.